From tellmeyourdreams.com, this is Converge, the Business of Creativity podcast. I'm Dane Sanders. Converge is a show about that space, that tension between finding work that pays the bills and making our work meaningful. The show lives where our personal and professional lives collide, giving all of us the chance to rethink how we live and labor in a work from everywhere economy. Remember what it was like to go to work before COVID? For the majority of knowledge workers, we'd go to a place that someone else picked and do our best to get our best done, regardless of whether that space worked for us. Now it's estimated that at least 42% of the U.S. workforce are working remotely, and that number is rising. If it turns out that going to work is not going back to normal, I have some good news. Today's interview is with Sam Rosen, CEO of DeskPass.com. It was recorded pre-COVID, but I'm sharing it now because Sam's insights about work are both profound and prophetic. Sam is a pioneer in the world of co-working, and he might have created the tool for our times, at least for those of us who are desperate to make work work for us in a new way. The conversation quickly gets into the nature of work itself, how we do it, and where we do it. Again, remember, this was recorded pre-pandemic. Honestly, it's like listening to a time capsule predicting the reality we're all experiencing right now, but offering some explanatory power. And it doesn't stop there. In this time machine, you'll gain a fresh perspective on what you need from work and how you can actually get it. If part of you is dreading more remote work as we head into a new year, this might just be the silver lining you're looking for. A quick heads up, this is our final episode of this season of Converge. We are thrilled that you are a part of it, and we are hard at work crafting our next season, which will be here very soon. If you enjoy Converge, would you be willing to give us a review on iTunes or wherever you listen, or at least share with a friend? We'd be so grateful. Okay, here's my conversation with Sam. I hope you love it. Sam Rosen, welcome to Converge. Thank you. It's a pleasure. I am such a fan of DeskPass and what it does for communities and for individuals at work. I'm wondering if you could just share a little bit about the vision behind it and how you got into co-working and DeskPass in particular. Thanks, man. Yeah, of course. So DeskPass is a monthly membership, and it gives you access uh, today to a, nearly 250 co-working spaces uh, all over the country. So we're in Chicago, L.A., New York. Denver, San Francisco, Austin, and Boston. I feel like I'm missing one, but by the time you air this, maybe uh, maybe we'll have more cities. And for those that uh, don't know what co-working spaces, essentially these are workspaces uh, that are shared. So they're not specific to one company or one team. It's a place where anyone who is a freelancer, they work remotely, or they're just kind of looking for a place to connect with other people can show up and work there for the day. So we have a membership. It starts at 50 bucks and we give you a free trial and it gives you access to all of these spaces all over the country. So our you know, typical customer is someone who is works remotely. So they might work for a big team that lets them work from home or they might be a freelancer or work on a small team and they work from home predominantly. But from time to time, they look for an environment to get the heck out of their house, to be around <laughs> other people that inspire them, to be in a community of people who you know are doing cool things and to be, you know, be less lonely and be more productive. Yeah. Um, well, let's camp out there for a sec. Cause first of all, um, I'm so intrigued by 
the power that we get from being able to do virtual working. And it wasn't too long ago where, you know, negotiating the ability to work remotely was kind of the coolest thing anyone could do. And then all of a sudden I had this kind of momentary backlash and it, and it feels like as people have settled in and the connected economy is beginning to mature a little bit, people are beginning to understand that in addition to the power from digital, there's like these human needs that also kick in. <laughs> so talk a little bit about why co-working? Like, why is that important, both from a, a work perspective? Like, why is it helpful? And also from a human perspective, why is it helpful? Yeah, so I have this theory, which is for the longest time, uh, work represented, you know, one word represented two things, which was the thing you do and the place that you go. And both of those were the same thing. I go to my work to do my work, and I do my work at my work. And you know, over the last 10, 20 years, as technology has gotten so much better, especially when it comes to mobile connectivity and the ability to have a cell phone. And, you know, me as a 33 year old, I can, you know, legitimately work from wherever I want and run most of my business. And it's been like that as long as I can remember. Um, so my relationship with work is different. And I think we're at this time where work is sort of being decoupled and work is no longer it doesn't have to be the place you go to do your work. So if you find that you do your work better at home, you can do that. If you find you do your better work uh, somewhere outside of the office, like a cafe or a co-working space, you can do that. If you find you get your work done best at work, that's cool too. And what I see is your relationship to your office and your workplace changing from a a place I go every day to an ecosystem. And depending on your needs, depending on, you know, your schedule for the day, your kids, your, you know, after work plans, uh, just how you feel, what type of project you're on, you're not limited to the same one environment. Um, you're, you're open to all types of different environments that, you know, uh, kind of meet you where you are. And, I think this is really important as larger companies and more companies adopt, uh, you know, remote work strategies or what they call like alternative workplace strategies as benefits. There's a study that Fidelity uh, wrote that said the average millennial take a $7,200 salary cut for more work-life balance. And one of the top ways you can gain work-life balance is working remotely or having control over where you work. Most people start at home. Most people start and they go from this environment where they're surrounded by people that inspire them or ideas that inspire them to working in a really comfortable, oftentimes productive environment being home. And that's great until it's not. And like I think you know as well as anybody, we as humans have these needs. Um, we need to be around people. We need to be inspired by people. We need to talk to people. Uh, oftentimes people use DeskPass or these co-working spaces really, you know, as a way to be less lonely. And that's, that's pretty cool. I mean, you spend most of your day at work or doing your work. So you might as well be doing it in an environment that like amps you up and provides uh, additional benefits. Well, we're going to come back to the lonely conversation in a minute, because I, I think that's really, I, I kind of want to spend a little time camping out there. But I also want to just emphasize yours is a really unique value proposition, because it's not just another co-working space. Or even when I first heard about it, I, I was kind of confused because you you don't even compete with co-working spaces. You actually promote several different kinds of co-working spaces and make it possible for people to 
not just um, have variety if they're more nomadic, but that they could actually try several places for a pretty modest price, but really get exposure to various kinds of spaces out there. Can you talk a little bit about the kinds of co-working spaces? Because I think for some people, when they hear co-working, they think glorified Starbucks, like it's just, it's another coffee shop, or they think we work if they've been exposed to that in a major sure. city. Uh, but there's so many different kinds of co-working spaces out there. Can you talk about the benefits of variety and getting exposure? And also what are some of those examples of, of cool spaces? Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, you nailed it. One of the coolest parts of our platform is you don't necessarily commit to one brand or one space. You can, if that's what you love and, and that's where you find you know, you, is the best environment for you. But there are, we can talk more about this, but, you know, my background is I opened the first co-working space in Chicago um, about eight years ago. There were about 200 of these spaces in the world. And today there's over 16,000. So the amount of these spaces that have popped up is just unbelievable. And they've popped up in all sorts of towns and neighborhoods, cities, suburbs that you can imagine. Uh, and with that, you get just this amazing diversity and types of spaces and environment. So you get your big box version. So I would say WeWork is kind of like the Starbucks of co-working, um, which is great. I, I go to Starbucks all the time. I got no issues, right? But it's one flavor. And with you know every one WeWork, there are 10, more than 10, uh, of these independent guys all over the place. And these smaller spaces or these other types of environments tend to be uh, more local. So they tend to like, they remind me of like a local coffee shop. So they're often run by someone who's a member of that community in that neighborhood or in that town or in that metro. And they found a need for a collaborative shared workspace because there wasn't one in their neighborhood. And what ends up happening is you get a manifestation of like, that community and that neighborhood and those people. So if you're in a little co-working space, like somewhere in, you know, Breckenridge, which we have spaces, you're going to get like a ski town themed co-working space with a bunch of folks that that's what they dig, right? If you're in downtown Chicago, we have spaces that are industry specific for finance or technology or law. So if that's what you're looking for, um, you can get that too. And the cool thing about something like DustFest is you, you don't have to commit. You can get what you're looking for when you need it. And there gets to be you know, just all these wonderful different recipes and sort of different environments that I think they represent the local scene, which is so cool. Especially if you're traveling or you're new to a community or new to an industry or new to a job. The idea that you can go from sitting at home alone, talking to people on the internet, to be in a room full of interesting people who are already connected to you in a way is, is, is really kind of a special, a special connection. So we celebrate like the growing diversity of these spaces and the accessibility to them and allow you to kind of pick what's best for you. And I've always thought it was so interesting, like just me alone, depending on what project I'm working on, depending on what day of the week it is, you know, depending on how my night went the night before, like all those things factor into what is the best place for me to work on any given day. Mm -hmm. And now instead of just saying, well, I'm going to work from home or I'm going to go to the office, I can say like, well, this is what I need today. And I can just sample that environment as I'm interested in it 
and again, not to like sell dust pass hard here, but like we have a free trial. So it's just, it, it tends to be a really cool, accessible way for people who have never tried these spaces for make, find them a little intimidating. Yeah. So trying co-working for the first time is, is so striking. Like I, my version of what you're describing, what I've kind of jerry-rigged in my own life is I have a place where I work in my home office and I have a, we have some offices in Long Beach and that's great if I want to commute over there. But usually what I do is I go on rotation and I have everything from, you know, coffee bars to bar bars uh, like that. I, and it's exactly the way you describe, like there's kind of a morning vibe where sometimes I, I really want to be in my home office and hunker down and crank. And there's other times where like, I do not want to go to my home office. Like I just, I just need to know someone else is suffering right alongside me, <laughs> you know, <laughs> somewhere else in the world. No, it's true. <laughs> you have people who, I, we, I love this. We find people will end up going to a space because they're lonely, but when they get to the space, they don't even need to interact with somebody. Just being in an environment that inspires them being around other people that are working just as hard as them. And on a tough day, like is all they need. And that's, you know, a big part of the reason people use spaces like this. Talk a little bit about that inspiration idea. Cause I, I think for me, it's tempting to really camp out in the conversation around lonely, like in the negative that people need these kinds of things because they're human beings and there's so much connectivity yet so much kind of dramatic loneliness and it shows up in kind of escapist behavior or uh, even, even horrific things like suicide rates and that sort of thing. I, my own, I have a strong bias that I think that has something to do with how we spend this big chunk of our time around work. But I love the frame around inspiration because that is really true. It's, it's not just about avoiding a negative. It's also moving toward a positive. Of course. Talk, talk a little bit about inspiration. Yeah. You know, even if you love where you work, if you show up every day and you go to the same office and you work with the same people and you do the same type of job, uh, you are limiting intentionally or unintentionally your inspiration and what surrounds you, right? So the thing that's so cool about these spaces is you're in an environment with other people who do different things than you, who come from different places than you, have different jobs than you have different styles than you, have different educations and interests than you. So if you get into it, you go to this environment, you can meet people that inspire you. And they kind of, to me, it's always, I've been able to find like cool new businesses and projects and venues and places because every day in my little world, I just, for whatever reason, you know, I I never was exposed to this. So these little communities tend to be melting pots of different people, different ideas, by the virtue that these people have different jobs and do different things during the day. They come to the co-working space or the environment from a, a different perspective. And I think it doesn't take very long uh, to have a conversation with somebody uh, that will be very wildly different than the conversation you keep having with your coworker, who you love every day because you work with them every day. So I've always been really inspired. Like I remember learning about a couple of really cool ideas like microfunding uh, and co-working as an idea through these spaces, right? And I just, in my little world, I'm not sure if I ever would have been exposed to them without changing it up and, and trying a new environment and going just a little bit out of my comfort zone, still in you know a relatively comfortable way mm. um, to just expose myself to new people ideas. And that's one of my favorite parts of, of what happens in these spaces. I, I'm sure it's not universally true, but do you think on on average, 
and your bias, but like qualify it a little bit. Do, do you think that <laughs> do you think that people's work actually gets better in that kind of a context? Like for example, and I'm playing the other side for a second because. I'm picturing yeah. like there is for the, all the, for a long time, there's, you know, bullpens were all the rage and, you know, no walled office yeah. spaces. And then people realize like, you know, Cal Newport comes along and writes about actually it's pretty tough to get any work done if you're in that kind of a space. What, what's your sense about, about that piece and, and trying to find yeah. concentrated focused work, maybe, especially if you have more of an introverted bias. Yeah, I mean, di- all these different spaces have different environments, and some are better for some people and some types of work. But, you know, I'll be honest with you. I mean, the jury's still out. I know you're, you know, I've always thought, often in interviews, people say, when Yahoo many years ago decided that they were going to remove their remote work policy, yes, and if you yeah. wanted to work there, you had to show up at the office. And I always thought, well, that's, I'm not criticizing that that's the best decision for Yahoo. Um, because I don't know their business and I don't know who they are, but that's like just not where the world's going. And I think it's, it was kind of, uh, postponing the inevitable. Mm-hmm. The jury is definitely still out in terms of remote work and productivity. Right. And I actually, my instinct is that there's a sweet spot where, uh, if you, and there's a couple studies I've seen that, that, that show this, but I, the jury is definitely still out, but that, if you work from the office, there's a negative impact on your productivity. Um, but if you work remote every day, there can also be a negative impact on your productivity. Mm-hmm. That there might, there's a theory that there's actually a sweet spot in between. That being able to change it up and giving yourself flexibility when you need it is really where like the most productivity is earned and when the best benefit is earned. But I think this uh, represents a larger point, which is this is kind of the wild west. Uh, companies don't know how utilized their spaces are. Like even a company that has 5,000 square feet can't often tell you, you know, on a day-to-day basis how utilized their spaces and their desks are. And they're not, there's not the data yet to correlate that with happiness and productivity. So this is very much the wild west. And I think the, the interesting thing about co-working spaces in a platform like DeskPass is it's not permanent, right? It gives you kind of a low-risk way to experiment and try and measure this for yourself. But every company is different. Every team is different. And their needs are different. So it's not about like one day saying, forget it, forget offices, we're closing our office, everyone works remotely. But it's experimenting with other styles of working and other types of workspaces. And I think as a company and as an employee or as a team member, as just an individual, it's kind of measuring for yourself, like, where do I get my most productivity from? Uh, Is it being consistent? Is it changing it up? Is it having access to kind of a network of inspiration or productivity space when I need it. Uh, and, and like you said, some space, I'm sometimes super introverted, sometimes super extroverted, but there are spaces that are focused on, you know, folks that are more extroverted versus folks that are more introverted. And the really good spaces have kind of a wide array of space in between them. So you can find a little corner to be quiet by yourself. But if you want to talk to people, there's that environment available for you too. So you can sort of self-select uh, as you're experiencing the space and the environment. And what strikes me about what you're 
you're identifying here is in this decoupling. I loved how you put that, the difference between doing work and going to work. When you, when you extract the go to work section and it's really a focus on the quality and quantity of the work you're creating, it puts a responsibility on the worker to decide, well, what am, what am I committed to? What do I want to see happen? What am I after? And that's so different than, you know, the industrial age perception, which is, you know, come in, take desk, yeah. do this. And that seems to fit. It makes sense to me why co-working is such a phenomenon right now, but it also, it's not just how can I go find a cool place to work? It, it really comes back to the individual saying, well, what do you, what do you want to do? What do you want to make? Is that, is that fair? A fair way to put it. <laughs> I don't know if I have anything to add to that. <laughs> I, I think that like, there's this idea <laughs> that, that, um, that always kind of made me laugh, which is, You've heard the story where like a big company gets a new CEO, and that CEO lives in suburb A, and but the company's in suburb B, and now the lease is up, so they decide to move the company closer to the CEO. You know, and I've heard that story countless times. But in general, you have a small faction of people within a company or organization making a very, very, very personal, important decision for everybody. The work environment that makes you productive and inspires you might be the worst for me, right? And, and make it a, a unhabitable for me, a place to work, right? So everybody is different in general. And the idea that you have from the top one person or one team of people saying, this is where everybody has to go every day for these reasons that often are not at a personal level just doesn't feel right. And as we're in this world of, of everything on demand and the ability to share and get gain access, it's so inevitable that work changes and that the work environment you choose is personalized to you and not to your boss or not to the real estate team. But to, hey, I got to pick my kid up after school today downtown. So if I work downtown Today, I actually can skip traffic, right? And you end up seeing a bunch of things happen. And people are happier and people save time. And it's good for the environment if I'm not schlepping you know, every day to the suburbs or to the city to go to work. But at the end of the day, I can do my work anywhere. So I, you know, to me, it's inevitable. And, and different companies, there are some companies that can never adopt this type of policy. Because, but I think that is a smaller and smaller case. And to me, I don't, you know, I don't know how long this will have, it will take, but it seems pretty inevitable that most knowledge workers in the future will have some ownership over where they go to spend their day. You know, I, I, it's also occurring to me when I think of business owners who are thinking about getting a lease on a space. Uh, my guess is they they probably waste a lot of money and commit to things that don't always work. <laughs> like it just seems like like. I, commercial space that is if i'm the, if i am the owner of a company and i'm getting space and it doesn't work for half my people what a waste of money and time and it also seems like like you're it's it's this mesh benefit of you're creating a a new kind of common good by entering this kind of space yeah it's not just that i mean i my background i had a little digital design and technology company before i was focused on that and I remember the first time we signed a commercial, a real commercial lease. And it was a five-year lease, and it was a half a million dollars. And we had five employees. And I couldn't tell you in five years how many employees we were going to have, right? 
And the odds are not going to be the amount of space. And I think for a lot of people and a lot of companies, especially young new ones, the idea of making such a long-term bet is ridiculous. And the reason you have to make that bet is because, well, that's how the landlord finances the building and that's how the banks deal with risk is they want someone with a worthy tenant who's going to be there for five years. That works really great for the bank. That works really great for the building owner. That works really great from the landlord. But does that work really well for you and for your business? I remember making that bet. and I did not have to personally guarantee it, thankfully. But if I did, I wouldn't have made that bet because it just it's it was the largest financial commitment I had ever made to that point. And it was like just taking a bet that I really didn't know how it was going to net out. And that was on the small end. So I think just... Uh, for companies and people who are interested in building their businesses or starting ideas to have a platform that you can kind of interchangeably use and can grow with you is so powerful that you don't, don't have to worry about your biggest expense being space and that you're committed to the space personally over five years if your business doesn't work or it doesn't or works too great and you need more space, right? It just... It's an old way of doing things, and I understand how it got to be, but it doesn't really make sense for everybody anymore. And I think that's why this is such a big change and why this is such a revolution is because it's essentially democratizing workspace and making it more accessible for people as they need it, when they need it, and, and no more than that. Any any uh, guesses on the future of work? Like where if, if co-working is now, what's next? You know, I, I not to be like super cliche, I'm like, I'm really interested in AR, augmented reality when it comes to workspace and like, how do you create some of these team personal dynamics, but in a, in a virtual environment where you're working with people remotely. And some of the earliest examples of this are in video conferencing, but I think, you know, I'm, there's nothing to me that beats like getting your team in a room and like whiteboarding a new idea right Mm -hmm. and uh like that's my that's what turns me on you know and it's really hard to replicate that on the internet in a google hangout or on a skype call right Mm -hmm. but i think like technology is getting to the point where you can you can create more of those personal connections so I'm, i'm excited to see that i'm excited to see you know within co-working like more spaces that are focused on a particular niche. So Mm -hmm, like mm -hmm. you're seeing spaces right now that are female focused, which I think is fantastic. You have these industry focused spaces. You're starting to see these spaces proliferate into the suburbs, into smaller communities. Like this isn't a big city idea. You know, every small town has people who work from home, right. And are lonely. And if there could be a little, this is why cafes exist. If there could be a little workspace that draws these people together, that's a beautiful thing. So I expect to see a lot more of that, you know, over time, but you know, where it will all net out. Um, I don't know. <laughs> so you mentioned that folks at home, if they wanted to give uh, DeskPass a try, that there's an easy way to do that. Talk us through that. Yeah. So just head on to our website, deskpass.com. Uh, we have a free trial. So you can try DeskPass for your first month uh, for zero dollars, and you can fit your four visits. So you can check out four spaces near you. Uh, our team is awesome. Uh, I'm biased, but we have live 
phone support and chat support. So we're here to help you. The vast majority of people that use DeskPath, this is their first co-working membership. I think it's over 70% of our members are trying co-working for the first time. And I remember what that's like. So if you're kind of on the fence or really interested in figuring out these environments, we're a really good gateway in and we uh, won't intimidate you and we'll make you feel comfortable make sure you have a great experience. So just head on to DeskPath. Uh, there's a live chat pop, a little pop-up in the bottom. You can talk to me or someone from our team or just start up the trial and, and give it a shot. This was episode 12, season five of the Business of Creativity podcast. Converge is made possible thanks to the Habit Course from tellmeyourdreams.com. TMYD provides world-class coaching designed specifically for remote teams. Find out why Forbes magazine called TMYD's Habit Course the online course to master working from home. Sign up today at tellmeyourdreams.com.